0: Good day, everybody. This is your host, Kyle Serlo. Uh, And before we begin, I just wanted to go ahead and thank all of you for taking a little time out of your day uh, to give us a listen and give the Golf Guide podcast a try. This is something we've really been wanting to do for a long time, uh, put into an audio format. Uh, Just a couple of guys bullshitting about golf and helping you find great places to go and enjoy the game. And I really hope you enjoy what we do here. Uh, And without any further ado, I present to you the inaugural episode of the Golf Guide podcast. I've recorded things on my phone before. They don't sound this good. No, no. This is this is the real deal, man. We 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 bought the equipment. We're uh, you know we're we're doing this thing right. I one thing that somebody told me is that uh, if you're going to do a podcast if it if it doesn't sound if the audio quality is not good nobody's going to listen to it and the thing is i'm not really smart enough where anybody's probably going to listen
1: to me that much anyway but i at least want to you know have have the quality be good it's a first impression audio quality is key that person's very correct yeah. well that person
0: will go unnamed because
1: i don't know who you are but thank you yes all right well welcome
0: everybody this is the uh, first of what we hope is many golf guide podcasts i'm here with my brother you know one of my best buddies in the whole world casey how are you doing casey I'm doing great. How are you Kyle? You know, I'm I'm pretty good, man. Thank so, you for uh having me in your studio. Yeah, this is, you know, it's it's quite nice. It's a it's a little studio that we've uh,
1: retrofitted into a little podcaster's paradise. So, I, I do nothing but listen to radio and it makes me very excited to be on whatever equivalent of radio this modern technology. Is. This is the uh the 21st century version of radio. We're basically like
0: uh what's it? WNYC, w, whatever, whatever Stern was on for a while. It's, this is kind of like the modern-day version of that. He, he
1: was on all of them for a few years until he did too many bestiality bits and got fired. <laughs> yeah, um, does he still do those? No, he's just uh, interviewing, you know, washed-up supermodels at this point. He is good at that. It's a shame. He's he's very good at that. Yeah, he's leaving bestiality to the up-and-comers.
0: Yeah, well, you know,
1: it is what it is. So, um, I did hear a great bit today, not to interrupt. Please, please back from 2002, where he had a girl in the corner of the studio uh, pleasuring herself while Robin was doing the news. It was fantastic.
0: <laughs>
1: that, that is, that's that's great radio. It was a little distracting. Well, I mean... But it if, was very funny. If you
0: let it be distracting, someone who was mentally on their game would not be distracted by such a thing. Yeah. You well, know? Yeah. But stronger men than me. You know... Th- th- we're golfers, man. We we get it. You know, people are yelling in our backswings, you know, we're we're hitting the ball two hundred and fifty yards right down the middle, you know, with the you know, with a six irons. It's just, you know, it's it's what we do.
1: Absolutely. By the way, that is absolutely not true. Um I was watching the YouTube compilation of Rory McElroy's shots from Chambers Bay, and of course he didn't win the tournament, but he had that blistering Sunday round and I was watching this video last night and that horrible baked out golf course up there and the ball was just going forever it was a beautiful thing to see uh, that is not, was it? i was just watching a video of rory
0: um might have been on golf like this afternoon and i swear like his swing doesn't look as totally gorgeous as i thought it did like a couple of years ago it seems like he almost kind of like go starts out and then like self-corrects like a miniature version of like a jim furic like hitch
1: in the top of the backswing where he self-corrects into the right swing plane but it's not a one-plane golf swing no. definitely not uh, I mean, yeah, I, I would say that there's a little bit of a correction that goes on in it, and I think over the years it's gotten more, uh, it's gotten longer, and there's a bit more of a, a pull from the top of the backswing. He has a bit of a wider stance, I think, than he used to have, but uh, I still think it's a beautiful golf swing. I mean, the guy has an amazing finish. It's beautiful,
0: man. He's no, he, he, he's got an unbelievably spectacular golf swing, and I would have said until. Jordan Spieth came on the scene this year. He probably had the best golf swing of all the young guys, but
1: I mean, dude, so Jordan I, Spieth. I mean, I, you know, I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. I'm such a fanboy. I, I love Jordan Spieth. He's he's my favorite golfer to watch play right now because mm-hmm. of his style. Because you know, on my really excellent, tremendous days in great conditions, I hit the ball as far as he does on average. So at least I have sort of played a game. Occasionally, at moderately from, from the same distances. Let's put it that way. Everything else is different. All right. Well, but
0: if, if we're on that note, but I don't mean to interrupt you here. But sure. before before we keep going, let me uh, introduce you a little bit to some of these people. Like you know, you have been playing golf since
1: how old? I started playing golf when I was seven. I'd say it's, it's about the right age. I think I was six, something like that. But that's perfect. And you are twenty. I'm twenty six now. Twenty six. Uh,
0: recent UCLA law, UCLA law
1: graduate. Uh, not that recent, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, it was this decade, earlier this decade. Certainly, certainly. Um, and then h- how often are you playing golf right now, man? Uh, this summer I was practicing quite a bit. Uh, workloads picked up a little lately, so less, less often. I'm probably only getting out to the golf course maybe six times a month and not always to play sometimes just to hit balls. Yeah. It's hard. It's heartbreaking.
0: It's really weird that like when we were younger, you know, if you're like playing high school golf and you're, you're out there a minimum five days a week that, you know, to think of playing, like going to the course six times a month now seems kind of unacceptable and just not good. But then you think about how many regular adults get a chance to go to the golf course six times a month. And all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, maybe I'm actually not that bad after all. But it's still it's it's still unsatisfying because you know you should be there so much
1: more. It gets worse and worse over time. That's yeah. the only lesson, you know. You like you said in high school, you're out there all the time, and it's a wonderful opportunity. But, you know, speaking personally, I didn't take it as seriously as I should have at the time. And yeah, then, no kidding, <laughs> you go to college and you have other things going on. And then, you know, if you're lucky, you have a job and have relationships and obligations and. Ugh, it's terrible. You know, know. Golf should occupy a very high place in a person's life, but I, it seems like very few people are able to pull that off. I, I could not agree more, man. And I'm hoping the
0: majority of the people that end up listening to this, whether it's five or whether it's 500 or maybe if we're really lucky one day it's two more than that, I'm hoping the majority of the people that are listening to this are those that are either playing, you know, at the golf course six days a week or at least really want
1: to be there at least six times a month. Sorry. I would have to say that most golfers that I know live in perpetual regret that they're not playing more golf. Yeah, of course. I don't know a golfer who thinks he's playing too much golf. I've never met that person. Unless you're like that really, really
0: weird, spoiled kid who just gets dragged to like the golf course like three times a week by their dad, who just has no idea how good they have it.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. We do have a friend who... That was was
0: me at like age seven. That's because I was too too young and too stupid to know better.
1: (laughs) Well, we have a mutual friend and former teammate who was the best golfer among all of us and he did burn out on the game that is true but and he's and he remains very good and he still plays occasionally but he could have maybe played more and become a you know a a mini tour professional who knows and just decided that he didn't like the game enough to do that well
0: it's weird because i I, it's funny because there's guys you play golf with and they're so good you want you just watch them at the golf bar like dude this is unbelievable. How how do you just continually hit that perfect little baby fade, 285 yards? Like you are as good as anybody I've ever seen. And I've been to like professional tournaments, but then you realize they're not, like I said, you could be one of the the best golfers
1: you've ever seen. And you will get diced on like the web.com tour. Oh, completely. Uh, And and I've been to professional events and it's the best players in the world. And I've never seen people hit the ball anywhere close to that. Well, in any other context. I've been to high quality amateur competitions. I've played with people who were, you know, very good college players. You know, it's completely different. The quality of contact is different. There's way more, uh, you know, errant shots. It's, it's night and day.
0: And I always fail to remember, you know, even when you're out there, it it crosses your mind, but when you see those guys playing you're attending like, you know, a professional tournament, not only are they hitting the ball as far and as straight and as perfectly as, you know, anybody who's ever seen, you've ever seen, but you got to remember, they're playing that course in the most unbelievably difficult conditions that anybody will ever get to experience on a golf course. Like they, you know, you know that a superintendent and his crew have been spending months just tricking out that golf course to just screw anybody and everybody they possibly can.
1: Well, now here's an interesting topic for us to discuss. Late on me. When it comes to a professional event, I'm wondering how many strokes they pick up because of the good conditions of the golf course versus how many the tough conditions of the golf course cost them. If you get my meaning, the agronomy is so good, the course has been prepped. There are fewer bad lies, the bunkers are in better shape, all of that stuff. The greens have no imperfections unless the USGA is in charge of the tournament. And you have to think that because of those advantages, they pick up a little on the uh, average public course golfer. Of course, the pin locations mostly, and also green speeds, rough length, all those things cost shots. So I do wonder how many shots, you know, forget, we all know the courses are set up tougher, it costs them shots, but how many shots do they pick up on us casual players by playing these beautifully manicured golf courses? Well, I
0: could say that from my experience, I, you know, I've been lucky enough to play some really nice golf course. I mean, I was looking through, like, the top 100 list on Golf Digest. Or I
1: look through that uh, every three months.
0: Uh, I can safely say I've played very few, if only, like, a handful of them. But, I mean, I've played courses that are in immaculate condition. And to make the argument that, you know, you might be gaining strokes from those immaculate conditions, I think may only apply if your handicap has a plus in front of it. Because if, if you're not that good... You know, the the difference between, you know, maybe getting stuck in like a, you know, a stupid divot or something like that in the middle of the fairway that somebody didn't pick up, you they're going to be able to ace that shot anyway.
1: I I would agree with you, except I, I think tee to green, I would agree. I, I do think that the greens on these golf courses, you know, of course they're faster and it's easier to three putt those kind of greens, but these perfect greens, it's impossible to argue that it isn't easier to make putts on greens that roll true that have sharp edges to the cup i i think uh there's a bit of an advantage there so, i i know it's impossible to quantify but i have always felt a little jealous of the professionals and the difficult conditions that they play under
0: me too in yes. more ways than one yes <laughs> so i on any given golf hole, i mean that's the superintendent I, i've told this to people before the superintendent is the most important person you know the most important employee at a golf course i mean, in, it's great to have a great general manager, a good head pro. Those are all things that, you know, take a golf course from being completely average to being great. But the superintendent eventually is the one that dictates what is the course going to be like that you're going to go play. And if you're a superintendent, if you had to prioritize one thing on the golf course, is it the fairways? Is it the way you
1: take care of your bunkers? Is it the, would you Would you say the greens? Of course it's the greens. It has to be the greens because when people are, Coming out to the golf course, maybe they get out there once every few months, stuff like that. And even players who are really highly skilled and play a lot, you're almost never going to make a shot from off the green. That's a thing that happens rarely. And so your good memories from a golf course holding out are going to be long putts that you make, stuff like that. If you have a ball that's bouncing around the greens, it's a miserable experience. And also, you don't get a reward for getting to four feet where you should be able to make a putt more than half of the time. Instead, you're looking at every bump that's in your way, and if you make it, it's half luck and half skill. People, you look at golf course review websites, and the number one complaint about golf courses when people are complaining is that the greens are in bad shape. Oh,
0: totally.
1: I I, I was out a couple days ago. I was
0: working on my short game. There's a, I don't know if you played, but there's a tiny little nine-hole course um, about 10 miles south here in Katati, the Washu Creek. I have played there. And it's a great place if you want to go and, you know, work on your short game. It's got like, you know, it's a nine hole course. Everything's 150 yards and shorter. So I, I was getting a lot of work in with, you know, my pitching wedge and my nine iron and my pitching wedge, but then you would get to the greens and it, it granted they were in the middle of a drought. And they you know, this particular golf course doesn't have a huge staff and, you know, a huge budget to be able to keep them in really good shape. You know, it's basically there for practice and it is what it is. And, and for that purpose, it, it's really, really good. But exactly, you know, you get to there and if you want to work on your putting, you walk onto the green and it's like a it's like a dirty sponge with like clumps of peanut butter stuck in it. Mm-hmm. it. You just get up there. and It's like, well, I can hit a perfect putt and it might miss the hole by two feet.
1: Absolutely. And you personally, I don't like to go back to courses like that. Um, it, you know, it, it's a wedge practice place. The the facility that you exactly. mentioned, it's very good for that. Uh, yeah, I I've played golf courses that you. You know, you, you shake your head because they have such good designs or they have such good pieces of land, and the only thing standing between them and being a pleasant experience is the condition of the greens. And you wonder, um, obviously the money is the answer, but you wonder why they don't get a little more demanding with the conditions. Well, along that note, if I had to put you on the spot and say,
0: if you can, if one comes to your mind, if I asked you, the best greens you've ever got to play on, anywhere, anywhere yes. that you've played, is there one course that stands out or is it they're more just like a, you know, private courses are obviously always better because they have more money to maintain them. I mean, but is private, there one course that stands out?
1: Private courses are definitely always better. It's a fact. Um, not that I've played a huge number, but. Sadly, I'm also the same way. Yes. But I think that uh, my answer to that question is a golf course that, you know, intimately, and it would be Maya hmm The greens out there are terrific. they, are firm but they're receptive and then putting on them they're just terrific they're fast but they aren't ridiculous Uh, they're everything that i would hope for in a green in northern california
0: yeah they're moderately ridiculous i mean there are some like the designs
1: are a little strange
0: but but yeah they're in such perfect shape that at least you know it's going to do kind of what you think it's going to do yeah i mean you know if you misread it you misread it but if you have a perfect read in a putt you know where it's going to go yeah and i think that is a luxury that is mostly sadly reserved for private clubs there are some public courses that you know probably have great greens um i know cherry island up in sacramento is has great greens for some reason the gm and the superintendent have made a commitment to being like listen there's one thing we're going to do here we're going to have great greens that roll true and we're going to keep them fast and tight the rest of the course is still great it's a, it's a municipal golf course I'm, but yeah they, they've made a concentrated effort to keep the greens in outstanding shape and there I wonder are, why more courses don't do that.
1: It, yeah. In Northern California, you've got Poana problems. You've got climate differences and moisture that I guess makes it difficult. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of, a, in terms of public courses that I've played around here that are relatively affordable, I'm thinking of one golf course that I didn't have the greatest experience at, but the greens were very good, which was Metropolitan, Mm, in Oakland. And, uh, I've, I've never been in so much wind in my life, but (laughs) the greens were very firm and they were very true. Uh, large green complexes, very fast, large undulations, but it, it plays as a link style golf course. I've never played a golf course in Northern California that played more true to the links style. I was playing three irons, 140 yards. I was playing sand wedges, 150 yards. It really did play that way.
0: Powerful metropolitan golf links. Is that probably because of the jet streams from right next to the Oakland airport?
1: Yes, it is. Oh, is that actually a fact? God only knows what the (laughs) technical term for any of this is, but the wind was fearsome that day, my friend. Oh yeah. That does sound, uh, it sounds fun though, but it's creative room for creativity.
0: I like that. So, all right, along the same golf course design thing, I want to transition in here to a uh, an article that we recently had on golfguide.net that uh, our staff writer Rick Vasek wrote. Now, you went to go see this uh, this article a couple days ago, but you didn't Once recognize Once I didn't
1: it? see the name Kyle Serlo, I abandoned the article.
0: That's, uh, you're too kind. Uh, however, as completely, slightly above average of a writer that I may be, uh, one of our staff writers, Rick Vasek, is really awesome. He was the uh, sports editor for the San Jose Mercury News for about 20 years. Well, his credentials are exceedingly better. <laughs> I made a huge mistake. <laughs> but uh, no, he wrote a great article on the website a couple of days ago and said five factors that make great golf holes better than others. And it got me thinking. I was like, you know, the five things that he came up with make perfect sense to me. And I, I can't say I disagree with any of them. But then it kind of st- I got started to think, you know, along the same lines as, you know, the green being the most important what are the couple of factors for you that make a golf hole great? You know, what what makes a golf hole better than, you know, with its peers? And so what I'll do real quick is I'll just go through the five things that uh, that Rick had, his factors that make a golf hole great. And as I go through each one, we can, uh, you know, agree, disagree, let's banter. Let's
1: see, if, let's see if Rick knows anything. Okay. Let's All right, Rick, you're on
0: the spot. So, what made it good? What are the key factors? So, here are Rick's five. The first one is it's got to be tough. All right. He says, a great hole cannot be easy. It doesn't have to be the toughest hole on the course, but it has to have something that makes it a tough par and, you know, getting a birdie is a really great accomplishment.
1: Okay. Should I reserve comments? No, no.
0: Go for it, man. This is this is a free-flowing little conversation. You you say I, whatever whatever your heart desires. I don't
1: agree with that statement.
0: Of all the five, they may be, that may be the one, because
1: I personally love holes that I can just make a nice, easy birdie on. It gets, who doesn't? It, it really gets me going. <laughs> who doesn't love that? <laughs> First of all, I, I, I think that's a big oversimplification. We, you know, everybody knows that for people who hit the ball a, a decent amount of distance, you're going to birdie the par fives a lot more than you're going to birdie anything else. And some of my favorite holes are par fives. Absolutely. Of, I have some of my best friends are par five. <laughs> so, uh, you know, to, to say that a hole has to be a tough par. I mean, I, maybe he was meaning to express it a bit of a different way than that, but sure. I, I can't agree with it. I'm also thinking of some short par threes that are lob wedges or sand wedges that are that magnificent, aren't, that aren't particularly hard, but that are incredibly good. I'm thinking of, I mean, Pebble seven, Beach. 7 at Pebble is, what, 120? Exactly. One, one, 140, somewhere in there? And it's a little bit tricky, but it's not that hard of a hole. Right. And not, not that hard of a par, anyway. Sure. And I'm thinking of the hole that Phil Mickelson imploded on at Marion. The par 3, it might be 13, on the back 9 that's mm-hmm. about 120 yards that he air-mailed. And, you know, it's it's not the easiest hole in the world, but it was pretty straightforward. That's what made it so poetic for Mickelson to crumble on it. <laughs> so... Uh, And and also, some of my favorite holes in golf are short par fours. Absolutely. And that, I think, might be my favorite genre of golf hole altogether. Yeah. I I think I'd have to agree on that as well. Something that
0: if you want to get crazy and hit a driver, you better know that you better, you know, better be ready to put your your nutsack on the table and go for it. Because if you mess up, then things are over. But you can be smart. Hit a six iron. Leave yourself another, you know, eight or nine iron into the green. Maybe it's tight. Maybe it's not. That is a great golf hole. Yes. A great golf hole does not necessitate you having to hit a driver and, you know, a three-wood off you know, off the fairway.
1: I have to uh, take exception to the article's number one point. <laughs> now,
0: that being said, he didn't say that being tough necessarily meant that it had to be really long. But I think for most golfers, they kind of associate a difficult hole with being a long golf hole. People, my, yes. people will say, oh, a 330-yard golf hole is not difficult. It can be.
1: That's absolutely true. It
0: totally can be. Yes. I, I, I've never played Spyglass, but you know what? What is that one hole you always see the number pictures four.
1: of? Well, number four. Number four. Know, yeah. You know the green is what? It the, four what, yards wide. The green is like a cigar, and <laughs> the uh, hole is about three hundred and fifty yards. That's a beautiful hole. I had the fortune of caddying uh, at Spyglass for a couple of rounds, and that hole really is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. unbelievable.
0: Yeah. And and that's and it's again, it doesn't have to be long for it to be hard, but. I don't know if I would say that in order for a golf hole to be great, that it has to be really difficult.
1: No, it doesn't. Okay. All right. So Rick's way off. Rick, you're 0 for 1 here, bud. You should have spent five more years at the Merck.
0: <laughs> All right. So, number two. His number two factor for what makes a golf hole great. It requires a variety of shots. Okay? And his explanation there is you have to you have to shape your tee shot or your second shot. There has to be some sort of trouble or obstacle that makes you really play the ball.
1: Thoughts? I'm inclined to say that I agree.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would agree. I mean, it's a it's a little vague. And yeah. the
1: fact that, you know, I mean,
0: for me, a good, the way that I interpret it or the way that I would write it is, it forces you
1: to think a little bit. Absolutely. I, I definitely think that that is a total prerequisite for a, an interesting golf hole. I mean, if you're thinking about it, the word interesting means that you're mentally engaged and to be mentally engaged, it can't be something that you play on autopilot without even thinking about the shots you're playing. So I do agree with that. I'm not, I'm not sure that it involves shot shaping specifically, Mm -hmm. you know, it could just be targeting or club selection and stuff like that. But, but fair enough. I I think I agree with the broad point.
0: Yeah, no, I I do as well. So, We'll, we'll jump right into number three here. We'll, uh, you know, we, we won't you we will ice Rick on, on number two here. So number three, he says... When we agree, it's more boring than when we disagree. Sure, sure. So number three in uh, Mr. Rick's five factors would be that every shot has to be good to make par. Now, I'll, if you want, I can give you a little explanation, see if that uh, helps you agree or disagree. But he says, if it's a par three, a testy shot just to get it on the green. Uh, if it's a par four, it can't just be a wedge into a green if you execute a tee shot. If it's a par five, all three, you know, tee to green shots need to have something about them that makes them a little bit of a challenge. Uh, and then no matter what the par of the hole is, the green has something about it that's interesting. It's fast, or it has a no-go zone, or it offers a variety of interesting pin placements. Okay, so essentially every shot has to be good. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that because I am one of those golfers that, I, I think it was that great, uh, it was not a great movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance, but it did have a good line in it. It said you know Walter Hagen, you know he was the master of hitting three totally mediocre bad shots and one brilliant shot and that's how he made par all the time does that just mean he was playing bad golf holes all the time I don't think so no, no. and for me I, I you've seen me play golf there's without question always going to be a handful of shots in there that I'm just they're just going to be awful nobody can explain where they go but a lot of those times I'll had a great recovery shot I'll get up and down and I'll make par so Obviously, I'm taking it
1: ultra-literally, you know, literally. Yes. But, well, I, taking it literally again, I do believe that is biased against par fives. The, the anti-par five bias in this article is strong. <laughs> it, on most par fives. Rick may not be very long off the tee. Uh, well, there it is. On most of the uh, great par fives, you can afford a, to miss the fairway off the tee. Sure. And if you hit an, an even mediocre recovery shot, you can have a chance at birdie. I'm thinking about 13 at Augusta. Mm -hmm. You can put it into the grove of trees on the right. You don't need to be like Phil and hit the green from there. You can punch down to the, to the flat and he didn't make the Eagle putt, but you can punch down to the flat and hit a nice wedge in there and make your birdie putt. And I think most par fives offer that kind of recovery, but To a point, I do have to agree. I think I'm 50-50 on this point because I don't know a good par four that has a boring tee shot. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are some, but most of them, even the ones that have big fairways, there's a right place to play it in the fairway. And another, you know, a perfect example of that, going back to it, is number four at Spyglass. It's got danger off the tee, but it's also got a wide fairway and you're supposed to be hitting a hybrid. Or a three wood off the tee. Mm-hmm. There's nothing much to it, but if you want to have any hope at a birdie, and if you want your best shot at not bogeying, you need to put it at a very specific area, totally of the fairway, and that's one of the reasons the hole is so interesting. So, uh, yeah, I I half agree, half agree,
0: yeah. Right. Or we'll you know, we'll agree to kind of sort I, of agree. I agree. Okay, okay fair enough. This one, the title is pretty obvious, and I think it you know, goes without saying that almost every golfer that you know, fancies himself a good time and he actually likes thought-provoking golf would agree with this one, risk-reward. That's 100% true. Yeah, so to his explanation is this is the biggest one of all. There you go. The holes I like best require that you take a chance on one shot. You know, Obviously, maybe there's more, but for him, it's, there's one shot where you got to really weigh a risk-reward. Uh, It doesn't have to be more than that, you know, one is enough, uh, but it should give you the opportunity to make that decision. Um, He says he has a real problem with par fours that make it impossible to hit driver off the tee, and par fives that absolutely forbid you from going for the green at two if you're in a great position off the tee.
1: Okay, Uh, I I totally agree that it's the most important factor. Risk-reward, definitely important. I I, I would make it even more broad than that, though. I would say that more than risk-reward, it's Variety. It's the number of different ways that you can play a hole. And I'm not talking about Pete die, two fairways, whistling straights, nonsense. We've gotten out of control. I'm talking about Driver or Iron, always been kind of an out of control character. Driver or Iron off the Uh, tee. I'm thinking of a hole, even like, well, well, actually, that's a bad example. I was going to talk about. 11 at Augusta, but there's really only one right way to play that hole. <laughs> um, in, in any case. My, my Augusta knowledge, I have to admit, is lacking right now. Because oh. I, well, I've
0: well, i been out of the country for the last two and a half years. Which they don't means, have
1: golf in Korea? Well, They
0: have golf in Korea, but it's very, very, very expensive. But they also do not have cable to the point where they're oh. showing the Masters tournament. Oh, my God. And, you know, without a... Have you ever heard of uh, the Internet? I have heard of the Internet, and I get to watch extensive highlights. But you got to understand, my whole childhood... Sunday at what the Master's Sunday at the Masters is my single favorite sporting day on the calendar. Or so, my so, favorite-
1: you, so you make it happen.
0: Well, I'm aside from aside
1: from it being at a really terrible hour on Monday morning, I think your girlfriend wanted to go to brunch or something. <laughs> uh,
0: that actually might be true. Although, let's be real, brunch is not a real word. It's it, you're eating breakfast late. It's, it's become a word. It's, 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 <laughs> it's a word for your you're girlfriend, girlfriend. You're eating breakfast. Masters <laughs> You're eating breakfast. are eating breakfast at eight. You know, more late hour than normal. I, I don't understand it's, why it's that requires a whole new word. Breakfast with alcohol. Well, it's breakfast. Oh, well. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe for us. <laughs> no, but... Uh, my Anyway, Sunday at... Master Sunday is my favorite day of the year in terms of just watching sports on TV. And the last couple of years, I haven't been doing it. I don't really play video games anymore, unfortunately. And so it is crazy that because I haven't been able to watch it on TV, my, you know, obviously... There, are, you know, certain holes, there's Amen's corner. Everything that's is never going to go away. But I feel like at one point in my life, you know, like you still are right now, I can, in my head, see every single golf shot on the back nine at Augusta. Yes. And I think anybody that you know really loves golf and loves watching pro golf can do the same thing as well. And I'm terrified and also very ashamed to admit that I my knowledge is lacking. I, I might have I might have to go back and watch
1: some reruns. That's awful. It, it, it's kind you of might off. know more than you give yourself credit for.
0: It probably. I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah.
1: I think I probably smoked entirely too much reefer in college.
0: <laughs> and so I, I, I blame my memory you know, or lack thereof. Right, on, you don't uh, do that anymore. Def- definitely not. Definitely not. We're a responsible company here at Golf Guide, okay? That being said, I don't remember all, all the holes in the back nine that I need to. However, I do know the one thing that Augusta has in the back nine, there is a risk-reward play on every single hole on that back nine. Maybe you could make an argument that the par three right after – is it fourteen.
1: Fourteen or fifteen, the the par three over the, over the lake. Yeah, that would be sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. Risk well, reward. Well, twelve there? is over the creek and 16 is over the lake. Mm-hmm. Sixteen. Uh, has right. Is... I, I'm thinking of twelve.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking of twelve. I mean, is that a risk reward hole?
1: Uh, it is a little bit hmm. because there are safe places to play in terms of where you go on the green. It definitely is a risk reward hole. That's one of the best holes in golf because. Cool. If the hole is cut on either of the sides, the left or the right, if you go for it, you have a really strong chance of going in the creek if you have too much spin or if you just don't hit the shot properly. But if you go for the middle of the green, the worst thing that's really going to happen to you, unless you go long like an idiot, (laughs) is you're going to uh, go in the bunker, which is not such a bad place. So there are far worse places. So strangely enough, the narrowest, you know, the the least depth part of the green is the sta- the safe and smart play for almost every hole location on that hole at Augusta. Mm-hmm. That is a, a completely brilliant hole. It's been copied to death. I think Jack Nicholas copied it from your field. Isn't and golf arch- architecture kind of like that, though? That you it's know, fine, you fair know, enough. They're, There's they're, no such thing as originality in the world, anyway. No, that's that's a good point. Yeah, which.
0: This is just getting me really excited for April when we just get to just really nerd out on Sunday and just sit there and just drink Sierra
1: Nevada Pale Ale and just watch it's, watch Masters. You know, Sunday, it, it, the, the, it's the d-
0: greatest day of the year. It,
1: the, my favorite sports part of the year is early April, late March. We've got the tournament, the NCAA tournament, the Masters, and the start of baseball season. That is that is very true. Not to mention, I did, and this is totally knockoff related, but I have to bring it up here right now. Did you watch that Warriors Clippers game last night? Uh, I tuned in when the Warriors were down by like four because I knew they were going to win. <laughs> uh, it was very enjoyable. Last night, the Warriors came <laughs> the from a 23-point deficit, to come back and beat the Clippers in their own house, and it was just just so beautiful. Can we think of a franchise in sports that's gone from zeros like- to heroes? N- no, no. That's gone from likable to hateable so quickly as the Clippers. <laughs> No. Because for no. a while there I have, I have everybody kind of liked them. They were sympathetic. They were the the stupid Clippers. They sucked. They sucked. Nobody disliked them. Very unintimidating. Them. And they and then in in a snap of your fingers they've turned into, you know, douche central. They're, they're kind of awful. They're terrible.
0: I mean, granted I'm biased, but yeah, yeah nobody like Nobody likes them. All right. I digress here. So back on to golf. So Rick's article about the five factors that make a golf hole great.
1: What's factor five?
0: So the first four, again, it has to be tough. It requires a variety of shots. Every shot has to be good to make par, and it has to have a risk-reward element for at least one shot. His final one here, I don't know how I feel about this, so I'll, I'll kick it to you. His final one is there's no easy bailout zone. And his explanation there is if you try to avoid the trouble, you're going to pay for it in some way. If you hit an iron off the tee, you won't be able to get there off the second shot, or or it's going to be exceptionally brutal. Uh, If the trouble is on the left and you go right,
1: you might be even worse off. I
0: I don't know. I don't agree. I I don't don't agree with that one either. I agree
1: with like one and a half points of these five points. (laughs) Maybe two points. You see, I think that clashes with the risk-reward point. Totally. You know, if you're going to have risk-reward Something's got to be not risky, mm-hmm. or else the hole's just difficult. Yeah. So, or it's just frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm going back. You know, almost every great par five we can think of is, you know, it has an easy bailout, so to speak, if you can lay up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once again, I, I keep coming back to Augusta because it's the professional course that I know the best, and eleven is a great hole. It has the lake uh, guarding the green on the left. Mm -hmm. The entire fairway slopes toward the lake. And every smart player, except for the very longest hitters, tries to play for the very right edge of the green or miss it right. And we could all call that a bailout because you're not trying to carry it 220 yards downhill over water off a hanging lie. Oh, is that all? Right. Right. But, you know, that's where Larry Mize chipped in from to beat Greg Norman. Powerful Larry Mize. And I don't think that was so bad. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> and the long hitters can play right over the water because it's not so much of a risk for them to be hitting a an 8-iron in instead of a 5-iron. It so, must be nice to be able to 200-yard 8-irons. Oh, yeah. It's downhill. Oh. Didn't I tell you? Downhill. Uh, yes. Right. Oh. right. 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 In what kind of world is that possible? Did you see Dustin Johnson make that shot at Pebble Beach? last year in the Pro-Am. No. It was wonderful. It Please, was, describe. It was, uh, it might not, you know, it might have been at Torrey Pines. I forget. I think it was at Torrey Pines, actually, and uh, in the Farmer's Insurance. It was a beautiful, I think it was an eight iron from like 177 yards, straight uphill, to a back pin, and he played this draw, this trap draw, and it took like one or two bounces and went right into the hole. It was an incredibly beautiful, Fantastic golf shot. That sounds like a really, really sexy golf it, it shot. It wasn't a three-foot putt, so we made it. It was great.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, did you see that one highlight uh, from Shanghai a couple of weeks ago? When he, uh, I couldn't tell you what hole it was, but he was probably hitting like a seven or a six iron in this hole, and he slam dunked it and hits hits the pin I did and it kicks that. off the green back in the hazard. Guy, The guy is living a cruel existence. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he has Paulina Gretzky, but, you know... It, that well, that's just not enough. At the, the, least, guy, the guy, need,
1: the you guy know, needs a win. If these things, if all these misfortunes were happening to a smarter guy, he would be at the end of a rope. But <laughs> luckily, he's a little bit dim, and uh, he can ride it out. Luckily for him, he's also an exceptional golfer. So, he's, in today's game, second place finishes still pay real nice. He's and he wins tournaments so long as they aren't that important. He <laughs> he's yeah, obviously a million times better than I'll ever be. <laughs> Uh, and I respect, but him. that being said, tell.
0: well, that being said, he's still super fun to watch. Like I love watching Dustin Johnson play. I you just d- have to know that if it's an important tournament, he's not going to win.
1: And the only a- accepting that is is the most difficult part. The only thing I don't like about watching him play is the, is his demeanor. It doesn't seem like he cares that much. He might not. There you go. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's not. Win- However, that is you
0: know what, what's that? What's the golden rule? If you have super low expectations, you can never be disappointed. I thought the golden rule was "Do unto others as you would have others do unto you." We may have different uh, <laughs> we may have different sources on that one. Anyway, and then uh, one last little thing in Mister Rick's article here before he uh, he he bows up, out yes. uh, is he says one other thought about this: I don't feel as though I have to love the whole to think that it's great. I agree, and he actually even gives an example that you will really be able to relate to. Oh no! So. Well, not really to just you know, you're familiar with the golf hole that he's referencing, yes. So he references uh the second hole at a great little course called Bennett Valley, the home of our high school golf team here in Santa Rosa, California. what a uh, reference! He he goes, second hole of Bennett Valley. He says, I played it probably over a hundred times, and it always it always kills him because you know he moves the ball from right to left. You know, he hits a draw, he's screwed, he's totally screwed, you know. he says, let's "See, the fairway is so severe. It's you know, it slants down to the left. Anytime he hits his, you know, hits his draw, if it's even if he gets in the center left side of the fairway, that thing is going to kick down off a slope into a hazard." He's right. He hates that it. That will happen. He hates he hates the hole,
1: but he's said, but he admits it's a great golf hole. I, I honestly think that that problem with number two is a bit fundamental. <laughs> it, it may actually very well disqualify it from being a genuinely great golf ball. I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, it is so easy to go into that creek. Oh. And it, the, the, the problem with it, the reason I might think it's a little unfair, is that there's no, there's no real option other than to risk landing on the downslope. And then once that happens, it's all up to the gods. Uh, it all kicks down to the left. So you could say, oh, if you have a draw, maybe you should take a, an iron and play it short of the hill. And I've never seen any human being do that in my life on that
0: hole. No self-respecting golfer would ever take it's an a, iron it's off a, a four hundred four hundred and
1: thirty 430-yard hole. I mean, you're not going to take That's
0: straight away. It. It's not like you're, you know, there's not a hazard. It, obviously, you want to avoid the downslope, so if, if it goes in the hazard. But, yeah, no self-respecting human's going to hit a six iron if off you, the tee.
1: If you play it at the top of the hill, you have... 220 yards into that green and it's not it's fairly wide but it's not the easiest it's a it's a meaty approach shot yeah it is if you go to the right and you go long or something it's a very difficult up and down to Mm -hmm. any location Mm -hmm. um it's a tough one now
0: i will i will throw one out there as well like for what makes a golf hole really great and this is kind of
1: something i think about I Courses. To, I was going to ask what your factors would
0: be. Well, this
1: is this is one for me
0: that I always think about in terms of like a golf course as a whole, but I think it's still totally applicable to like an individual hole on a golf course. In that, a really great golf hole challenges the best players. It, it it's a challenging par for a scratch player, but also is set up to where a mid to high handicapper like myself, even though I'm probably on the you know the better end of a mid handicapper. It's still enjoyable and not unfair. So challenging for the best players, but fair to someone who's playing it from an appropriate tee. It's tough. It's really, really tough to do because it seems like a lot of golf courses, especially you know when you look at that top 100 list on Golf Digest. You know, all the top courses are all you know in in the rotation for you know majors and stuff like that. I cannot. I can't imagine a 20 handicapper going out there and playing and being like you know obviously. The, being there is going to be great, but you know, somebody's like, "Wow, this is a great golf. You know, it's, you know, it was fair to me out there today. You know, I, I hit a couple of bad shots, but I was able to." Rec- that just doesn't happen. And right. if you can find a way to do both, that is what makes a really great golf hole. And that gets back to your argument about
1: a short par four. The short par four is really—that's what that is. The short par four is the best kind of hole in golf. Totally. Yeah, I I sort of agree with you. I I think that holes that are Unbirdieable for a mid-handicapper are a little bit uh, tedious to play. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Yeah, And I think holes that are risk-reward for the better players are more fun to play for them, too. So I, I think the best holes offer a variety of results sure. that you can get. I think you should be able to birdie every hole that you play. I, I think that you should be able to bogey every hole that you play. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a round of golf interesting. If a hole dictates the way to play it, if a hole funnels you toward a score, unless you epically screw up or you get lucky, then there's l- less satisfaction in playing it. I, I really like that one that says at least
0: one shot on, a, on any given hole, though, ha- you, has, you have to really weigh your options. Not necessarily risk reward, but it takes a lot of calculating. Any shot that really makes you think, you know, all right, if I do this, I do this. If I hit it there, this is what's going to happen. Any shot that requires you to weigh all the variable outcomes that could result from even going a little bit offline, I love that.
1: I love that too. And, you know, to throw out a couple of factors that I would have included in Please. my list. A hole that seems different every time you play it, that is the hallmark of a great hole to me in, in one way. Mm-hmm. We all have our favorite holes at our home courses, You play it a million times and it seems like you never quite play it exactly the same way twice. Totally. And that is a a hallmark of a terrific golf hole. Constant stimulation, variability. And then another one that is a little bit non-golf. But we all but we all think it. Please. Is aesthetics.
0: Oh. A hole
1: that is beautiful is a great golf hole, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are a lot of beautiful, you know, you see all these horrendous resort courses in Mexico that are just awful. And they're beautiful as beautiful as can be and golf wise completely it couldn't be stunning. more boring. Yeah. Nevertheless, some of the greatest golf holes in the world are the ones that are the most beautiful. You think about Bandon, mm-hmm. you think about Monterey. And the list goes on. And the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, I mean
0: I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't and that actually I was looking at the, you know, I was nerding out on the top 100 list a little bit earlier, and uh, I was trying to figure out, like, how exactly do these people, like, how do they rate these golf courses? You know, the one thing that that pains me about the Golf Digest top 100 list is that it is ultimately subjective, Hmm. you know, and and not, not to say that, you know, for them, the number one course in the world right now is Augusta. And I think, you know, there's not a lot of great arguments to be made that it's not the best course in the world it's the best course so i mean you know there but after the top you know couple which you know for different people may be out of order it gets super subject super subjective and i'm thinking to myself, there's there a couple courses that i've played that were nowhere to be seen on that list and i was like how is this possible yes. and how, how is this there how can there be this you know 90 golf courses that are better than this golf course
1: well part of you has to think that it depends on which golf courses the people who put together the list have been invited to in the last year quite frankly
0: yeah well then i was trying to think well how exactly do these people grade these courses like what for them what makes a golf course great and the do uh, they publish their rubric they do so they have it says they have seven factors really and the, well, the reason I, I thought of this is because aesthetics is one of them
1: yeah it it's, should be. I
0: mean, and for them it is shot values yeah. You know how well do the holes pose a variety of risks and rewards and equally test length accuracy, and finesse okay that's great, fair enough resistance to scoring, which is how difficult while still being fair is the course for a scratch player from the back tees all right The thing is I get it, but what percentage of people that play a golf course are scratch
1: right I mean it, I mean I guess it carries over to every handicap level, but it doesn't you know I think that the best courses usually are courses that are harder than average. But that doesn't hold true forever. If you look at courses that are brutal, th- sometimes they suck. Yeah, they totally suck. And I, I think that the best courses tend to be a little bit shy of that brutal level. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Kiowa. And it's very hard. And the, le- the legend of its difficulty still still exists today. It still does. And I, I'm not a huge fan of that golf course. I'm not a huge fan of Pete Dye. And I, I'm a moderate golf architecture nerd.
0: Pete Dye just doesn't do it for me. Not no. to
1: say he's not great at what he does. And I'm not a big fan of whistling straights. I don't like these 7,600-yard behemoth golf courses that are incredibly difficult. So I... Like what? 300 people on the planet can actually enjoy them? Or are good and enough to really enjoy them from the back tees? Like, right. come and, on. Get... and beli- And Augusta is maybe 7,500 yards from the back of every tee box every day. It's almost as long, but it doesn't play as long. It's never as windy there. The ball runs forever. It just plays shorter. The rough is not as penal as it is at the Pete Dye golf courses. Mm -hmm. so it's just more fair, but it's still incredibly difficult. And that's what makes a golf course like that so great. We all remember the story of Rory McIlroy making the cut barely and going out with a marker at Augusta, some (laughs) 45-year-old member who was a very, very good amateur golfer. And I think the marker might have beaten him that day. I think the marker might have shot 74 or 5 Mm -hmm. from the master's setup, and Rory shot right in that vicinity as well. So that is a truly magnificent golf course where a player of that caliber can shoot the same thing as a member who's in his 40s. That makes me think that we should probably be members of Augusta. Well, shouldn't we? Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, before I start getting,
0: you know, really, really sad. Let me go through the rest of these real quick. Design variety, how varied are the lengths? Different are there, you know, differing lengths, configurations, hazard placements, green shapes, green contours. Memorability, how well do the design features provide individuality to each whole, yet a collective continuity to the entire eighteen? Five, aesthetics. It goes without saying. Six, conditioning of the course how firm, fast and rolling were the fairways and how firm yet receptive were the greens on the day you played the course. That's a little fair
1: or a little unfair? No, I think that's fair. You how else it... how else can you judge it? I mean, it's true. I mean, you I can't th- judge a course based on reputation. I feel like you have to play a course more than once. Uh if you have enough people playing it on different days, you can add them together and it acts the same way. It's like how the Michelin guide does restaurants. They send people to the restaurants they're considering giving the best ratings they they send them there all the time yeah and all they do is grade it on the day they want there's no perfect system i i, I think for what they do they do, I, they do a great and job if somebody goes back they can compare the consistency sure sure and then the last one is ambiance
0: how well does overall feel and atmosphere of the course you know reflect you know and uphold the how traditional well, values of the
1: game so they, they say. say. how does the locker room smell <laughs> i have to say musty i had i had the privilege of being taken out as a guest to Los Angeles Country Club. Did you really? When I lived in Los Angeles. Did you play the North? I did play the North Course. Goodness goodness gracious. It was during the worst rainstorm in Los (laughs) Angeles' history. Of course it was. For the last (laughs) 10 years, anyway. With a classmate of mine, he took me out there. His father is a member. Wow! uh, What a a convenient father to have. That's right. (laughs) And uh, it's a very wonderful experience. But because it was so rainy, there was not a soul on the golf course. Other than the two of us that day. Although the rain was so bad it filled the holes and it became unplayable but well, that, that... nevertheless sure getting to my point i show up at the golf course it's off wilshire boulevard in los angeles on the mm-hmm. west side of town and it's a terrific golf course i i sliced a ball out of bounds into lionel richie's house and that's always satisfying <laughs> i didn't hit i didn't hit nicole or it would have been a better day yeah certainly <laughs> but before the round i'm getting ready i'm putting my golf shoes on there's a a locker room that I'm ushered into and it's not Not pointed to ushered. Well, ushered by my companion. Okay. But there were staff members there that day and I get in there and it's not anything particularly decadent. It's, it's a regular locker room. The Mm -hmm. carpets are older and a little bit weather beaten and the, the lockers themselves are not especially luxurious. It's nothing like the Augusta locker rooms that you'd see or or at a golf course, Country club of that magnitude, it was kind of Spartan, to tell you the truth. Sure, but I that might be what they're going for, though. It might have been, and I it was very large. And so I get taken over to a dressing area, and I sit on a bench, and it's a little horseshoe shaped area. I can edit any of this out that you need to, by the way. No, no, this is fine. Oh, this is a clean family story. It is a clean okay, family this story. This is
0: going in a totally different direction than I thought. No, no, no. Okay,
1: continue. I wish it had gone that other <laughs> way. I should I should show you the person I was with, <laughs> but so I'm sitting there. And his father's—we're next to his father's locker he's, we're gonna—he's gonna put his stuff in there. What, et cetera, et cetera. And he taps me on the shoulder and he sticks his thumb out and points behind us. And I turn, and on one of these relatively grody wooden lockers, I, I turn around. There's a gigantic seal of the President of the United States. It was Ronald Reagan's locker. Unbelievable. Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie. Yes. Wow. I, I that's pretty. This guy actually pretty cool. It was kind of cool, even though I'm not necessarily a Reagan <laughs> devotee. I, it was very <laughs> interesting. That is pretty sweet. That, uh, yeah,
0: POTUS. There's a POTUS locker in the lock. You know, in the locker room. Two terms. Yeah. What's well, powerful, Ronnie? I I know I've told you that the story about uh, about my dad several times when uh in his back in his high school days oh yes yes where he you know anything you may think about my father now is he was a completely different person back then but there was a time in my dad's life where you know he was what are we talking about editing things out well (laughs) ronald reagan at the time was a governor of california and he you know went to go see him speak and afterwards he wanted to get his autograph while ronald was walking out of the place and he just held out a piece of paper for ronald to sign and he signed it and then my dad didn't even realize that uh the paper that he'd held out for Ronald Reagan to sign, which he did sign, was in fact, a zigzag <laughs> that he that is amazing. did not have the foresight to think about keeping and proceeded to smoke it
1: about an hour later. Oh, that's also <laughs> great. It actually makes the story a little bit better. good for him, yeah. but again, I digress.: Well, really quickly, do you think Bill Clinton smoked the cigars? yeah, has that been, has that been determined? The, like you know the, the fun cigars?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Do We know that to be true.: No, we don't know that to be true, but you can't you can't take a look at that you know saxophone playing fool and not think that he hasn't.
1: I guess it know. would have been a waste to throw it in the garbage.
0: Yeah, it's a cigar
1: it, anyway, yeah.
0: and <laughs> so non-pota stock, yes, I think they're they're kind of the same. you know, golf digest the ways that they you know, grade golf courses versus the way that you know Rick defines like a good golf hole. But I think if you and I were to come up with our own list, I don't know how many it would be, but we know that one, there has to be at least one shot where there's a great risk reward play. It has to be beautiful. And what else? Yeah. So again, he's got, it's got to be tough. I don't think so. Requires a variety of shots. I would, I would agree with that. You probably, you shouldn't, if it's not a par three, you, a great golfer requires you to hit multiple kinds of golf shots on a a,
1: hole i i kind of disagree with that i think a great golf course that's definitely true okay you should have to hit every club in your bag you should have to hit a variety but on any given hole it's just not enough shots true to put that into practice a a great golf hole you could be hitting one full shot maybe what we're learning about this list is that it's just the idea is here's maybe just not stellar here's the thing holes of different lengths in golf are very different the the way in which you play them the number of shots you take on them Makes the holes, you know, have different characteristics and trying to assign the same kinds of, you know, playing variables to all of them is difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say maybe all great par threes, all great par fours, all great par fives, and even that would be a bit of an overgeneralization. Yeah. Uh, I do agree with the points you just made though about aesthetics and and risk reward and risk reward. Yeah. And I, I would say mostly besides those two things, and related to risk reward is just variety. That totally. there are a different, you know, different ways to play the hole. Even if say both are rewarding, say that it's a short par four, and that you hit a seven iron off the tee, and you're left with a pitching wedge into the green, or you can go for the green, and probably still get away with a par. That's not really a risk reward situation. It's kind of an easy hole. Yeah, but. It is variety. You can play it different ways depending on the conditions, depending on how your swing is that day, how you were hitting it on the range, who you're trying to impress that you're playing with, whether you're trying to protect a score or not. And to me, the, the variety is the factor that I would add in.
0: Hmm, interesting. Sorry, little computer malfunction right there. Um, I thought it was on purpose. (laughs) Wonderful, uh, segue music. (laughs) That would have been nice, huh? Uh, interesting. The thing is, it's a great debate. It's a really good, I'm sure there are plenty of golfers that I I don't think anybody would necessarily disagree with like the main ones that it should be beautiful and that there should be a risk reward play on it. But you could probably, I mean, I know, I know Rick, the, the guy who wrote the article plays a lot of golf, you know, He's a big, huge fan of the game. I don't. I
1: don't agree with all of his points. You no. don't agree with all of his points, but no. that, that's kind of the that's kind of the beauty of it. I just thought of something else, and it goes back to my my point and counters it uh, about there being no such thing as originality. But would you say that a great golf hole has to be unique? No. Okay. I don't think it has to be unique. No, because I mean, getting back to, it, there's only so many things you. I mean, but we've all played those holes that are the same as the holes at the other golf courses. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking especially about those par 5s that sweep around a big lake. I've had it with those holes. I've played Oh, you mean the f- 18th hole at
0: that that hole's 15% not. of the golf courses that exist out there? <laughs> yeah, it's always you know, come on. Oh wow, and a big par 5 that has you know, a, an approach shot
1: over a lake on the right or left side with a big obnoxious clubhouse right behind the green. It's yeah, awesome. I mean Mayakama does stumble into the finish. The 17th and 18th holes at Mayakama kind of suck, and 18 at least you can get to the green in two. That's Mm -hmm. the only thing that makes that hole decent. But you know the whole the sweeping par five, crescent shaped par fives around lakes. I see that on every golf course. I'm I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of those holes. I've had it. I will concede that that it
0: it's been done too many times it's
1: on every it, and it's on the pga tour you, you look at bay hill you've got that kind of syndrome affecting bay hill you look in china they've got designs like that it's, it's everywhere i don't know if you've played it yet
0: but uh the, the new um the Truemanage Manage course is up at the cash creek casino up in uh Yochidihi is the name of it i hear great things about the course unbelievable golf course i yeah. mean it is it is really really great but it kind of has the same thing as my comma, where is it a great golf hole there's a great golf course, but it does stumble. It has the exact par five we were just mentioning. It's another one that has that cookie cutter. Once you played it once,
1: you've played it every time.
0: And it's not to say that it's not beautiful.
1: And yeah, yeah. for me particularly, I've just seen it too many times I, where it doesn't. You see it every. You see it every time. Yeah, it, and, it just you know it, and, it doesn't do much for and, me. And there are holes that are like that, but barely different. Like at Sawgrass, that par five laid on the back nine. You know, it it's got the big tree on it. That's the only thing that makes it different. It's a bit of an interesting layup, mm-hmm. but it's another sweeper around water. Come on, come on! I again i
0: I would rather I would rather see more par threes to finish. Well, you mean the eighteenth hole? Yeah, really. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy, but it'd be fun. It it'd be different. I I don't know about that. Well, I I only mentioned this one because. It'll lead me into my next question for you. If we're on, you know, this topic of great golf holes, great golf courses, favorite course you've ever played? Not probably, obviously. There's one course you could play that you haven't played already. Yeah, well, it's Augusta.
1: Yeah, same as most people's
0: answer. Yeah, most people's answer. But of the courses you have played, played, not just walked
1: on, but played, played. Yeah, it's just. I'll, I'll tell you what. If you've caddied. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. It it if it includes that, it would be Spyglass Hill. Mm -hmm. I I, I'm a huge fan of Mayakama. It's Mm -hmm. a terrific golf course. Sure. I my my experience is limited. I've visited a lot of wonderful golf courses, but usually for tournaments. Sure. Uh, In a spectator capacity. In a spectator capacity, and if I could go into that the one that I would like to play the most would be Royal County down Mm -hmm. in Ireland. Mm. That course is magnificent. That,
0: that is tasty golf right there. It is tasty. That, yeah. I mean, and is there a hole that stands out at Royal country down that you're saying now that Mm. whoever, whoever built this place,
1: they nailed it. The topography is what makes that golf course so incredible. Every hole is interesting. Mm -hmm. All of them. Uh, you know the only the once again the only hole that's a little bit weak there is 18. That that hole is kind of weak. A lot of courses have weak 18th holes and I don't understand why. I think it has to do with there's so much pressure that's put on an architect to finish
0: strong that they try to overdo it and that's why they always cave and maybe they resort to the the crescent shape par 5 or something. Really I've never actually got to play it, but I do, you know, my dad, my dad has is one of the very few people on earth Cyprus that has had a chance to play Cyprus yeah. and a lot of people say the 18th hole at Cyprus is completely underwhelming because you know the the three holes that precede it you know are all you know it's the lone Cypress it's you know the 15th par three that goes over the huge cove into that beautiful green with a 200 yard carry and then you know, there's the 16th you know it's, it, it, it's a beautiful three hole stretch of golf that is almost unmatched anywhere in the world and then 18 is simply just
1: a hole mess a dogleg back you know inland and between the trees but it's it's a we, perfect golf hole can we think of courses that have incredible 18th holes? Well, mm. I've got one... You know what? It goes against what we've been talking about. <laughs> you know what we're going to say. <laughs> we
0: we do probably
1: contradict ourselves all the time, but please, go ahead. It's it's Pebble Beach. And <laughs> it's a crescent-shaped par-5 around water, but for some reason, it's just not the same. But it's an ocean. It's not a lake. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> maybe Maybe that hole is overrated, but I do love it. Yeah. Uh, it's probably because of the history. Like I said, it is another crescent shaped par five around water. If you think about it objectively, it's probably not that great. Although in in your defense, it
0: does have unique little characteristics about it. So the tree that's out in the fairway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I does. mean, there, there are little, you know, and are, the bunker, the you, bunker, Yeah, yeah I mean, there's the left little side. bits
0: of it that make it a little more unique than most of the crescent shaped par fives we were referencing earlier, but it, you know, it's a great golf hole. I, for me, I know it sounds really, really weird, but, you know, can you think of a great 18th hole? I wouldn't go so far to say that it's a great 18th hole because it's so rare and because it's so beautiful. Bennett Valley, Not Bennett Valley. Um, it's the 18th hole at what I would consider, if I could choose one golf course that I have played to play every day, you know, over and over and over again, it's Pasatiempo in Santa Cruz. I need to get myself to You we, we will go down soon. Oh, let, 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 let's make this a I, – I, I will see if I can make some phone calls and see if we can get down there for Well, Alistair
1: McKenzie has been known to design a fine golf course. He, he has a sterling reputation around the golfing community. And our friend John Morris is uh, the biggest Pasatiempo fanboy. I, I am and I right trust, and I trust his judgment. I am right there on the Pasatiempo fan wagon with uh, with Mr. Morris
0: because the part three part three eighteenth, it's so ridiculous, but it's so perfect it and it's so beautiful, beautiful. Yes. It it's great. And and, and the fact that it is so rare to see a par three as, as the last hole in the course if you're not playing some BS executive course. It almost makes it, it the pressure. It's, it's almost like being on the first tee all over again And that this is your final hole, and you get one
1: shot to, re- to really do it. Part of the argument for the players being a fifth major, which I don't agree with, mm-hmm. but is that the 17th hole is so dramatic and it plays such a role in playoffs that it would be a terrific dramatic setting for the end of a major. We saw the playoff this year with Ricky Fowler and Kevin Kisner, and that was wonderful. But to me, I don't know, with a par three it almost feels like bad luck can cost you so much mm-hmm. on a par three. Those are cruel holes. Yeah. And they you know the difference between a birdie and a double bogey is very slim. In theory it should be the same as a par four, but oh, it just, don't I know? but it just isn't. They are just harder, way harder. I don't know why. Way you, harder. You get to tee the ball up. They should be easier than long par fours, but they really aren't necessarily because they're they get designed with these tricked out green areas. Mm-hmm. That's really what happens. Yeah, I, it's tough, man. And I think maybe maybe that's
0: why. Yeah, maybe I'm contradicting ourselves from earlier again. Really, this whole this whole podcast is basically just gonna be me you know running over and farting all over myself and saying contradictory things from you know thirty minutes ago, but. Um, yeah, the, the par three thing at the end is great. Uh, I, I totally lost my train of thought as I was, you know, just of course complimenting myself about my, you know, uh, personal hygiene, you know, habits. But yes, anyway, yes, um, I'm trying to think of like really great par four 18th holes. 18 at Bodega comes to mind. Mm, I'm not a fan of that at
1: all. Well, it's it's really, scenic. It's scenic. It's
0: aesthetically beautiful. You don't necessarily have to hit every shot perfect to get a par,
1: which is nice. I don't know about that. That approach shot is a beastly approach it, shot. It is a and, very... and the tee shot snow picnic. It's a tough golf hole. It is. I think it's the hardest hole at that golf course, except for maybe four. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. Well, those are the one and two handicaps. So I think at least... Yeah, well. whoever, whoever yeah, was I grading the course did a... It's been years since I played there. So how about my We'll have to fix that one. By the what are you doing Sunday? I am not watching the 49ers. That's for damn <laughs> sure. <laughs> Perhaps we will have to go and... Play said golf course, perhaps. All right, I'll see if I can break
0: 90. All right, well, uh, that is something I've been struggling with since I moved back home. I I still actually have one sub 90 round, it was an 89 at that golf course, below 90. Uh, it is a par 70, which I don't usually tell (laughs) to most people. I I forgot that (laughs) it is certainly a a par 70, so an an 89 doesn't really have the significance that it it should.
1: You know what? I've never seen a 5,800 yard golf course play like a 8,000 yard golf course like Bodega.
0: I mean. I grew I grew up on that golf course. I mean, I was lucky enough to like my you know my parents had a little cabin out there, so I would play it almost every week growing up. I have never figured that place out. It's so hard, ever. It's... I've never ever figured that golf course out. I'm convinced they measured it wrong, <laughs> which is entirely possible. I even when I was playing the best golf of my life, you know, when we, when we were in high school together, and you know, I got my handicap down to as low as maybe like a you know an eight. What do mean? Which is not spectacular, but by in most circles that's a that's a pretty good golfer. That's you're a single digit handicapper. Yeah, indeed. I think I've broken 80 once there. One time. I've never done it. One time. And it, it was a 79, and it was some of the best golf that I've ever played. The greens are tricky out there. I mean, you don't even get respite when you're on the green. No. No. It's, and I will say, that I will credit Kemper Sports. Since they uh, took over several years ago, they have made the course less tricked out. They've made it a lot more fair. I know when Robert Trent Jones Jr. first designed it, it was unmerciful. I mean, you would go out there, you would hit great golf shots, and you would be left with a 45-yard bunker shot over, you know, over some stupid hill into a like a green that you can't see. And it's like I just flushed a six iron at the left edge of the green with a pin in the center, and I ended up 40 yards short right. This doesn't make any sense, and it's just kind of the way it is. You just have to. I, I think that's what I've learned over the years. Is as a little kid, I used to get really upset when I wouldn't score well, and as I, I, old, I never, I never did. I was always <laughs>
1: very calm. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes certainly. I think as I'm getting older, I'm just starting to realize that wow, I really am mediocre, and that's okay. You know, it's it's perfect. I, I haven't accepted any of that yet, even though <laughs> I totally am mediocre. <laughs> uh, just what, not so bad. My day will come. Yeah, it certainly will. Well, you know man? We've we've been doing this for a while. This is this is turning out great so far. Do you have anything else that you uh, you want to add before we uh, we call call it a day? I think we've had a wonderful discussion about whole quality. Whole. <laughs> quality of holes is one of my favorite topics of
1: conversation yeah i mean we've all been around some holes that aren't so quality and it's always a thing that sort of you regret and it's an unpleasant experience well
0: i'm glad that rick was able to define on the five factors that make a
1: a particular hole really really great and you know for that for that rick we thank
0: you for bringing it to our attention we all
1: have our preferences about how we like our holes but in general we all kind of like our holes the same way yeah we risk
0: reward Aesthetics, you know. Aesthetics are key. Aesthetics are very key. <laughs> All right. Case, anything you want else uh, before we head out? It's been a pleasure. Man. All right. Hey, amen. it has been an absolute pleasure. And, and, again, this is exactly what we want this to do. I mean, this is just a place where golfers can just come and just listen as if they were just sitting in a bar, listening to their drunk buddy who they just played 18 holes with. I mean, again, I do not claim to be an expert by any means on anything golf-related. I'm just a guy that really likes to play golf and just happens to have a job that involves golf a little bit. You may not be working when golf, but you're not that dissimilar. I may not not be working. (laughs) Uh, So, on that note, everybody, thank you for listening to the very first of, again, what we hope to be many, many golf guide podcasts. Uh, I'm Kyle Serlo, again, here with my best buddy, Casey Edmondson. And uh, we thank you so much, guys. Have a great day.